0: Today's episode comes with a little bit of atmosphere. Abby Ellen writes for the New York Times and as such lives in New York. And during this recording, we get to enjoy a little bit of New York in the background. Also, if you guys are on Instagram or Twitter, please note that I'm there. It's unstructured P on both platforms. And I'd love to hear from you about this episode and any other one. Have you been duped? Have you ever been with someone who has conned you or scammed you or anything else? Please let me know. And for now, enjoy Abby Ellen. My name is Eric Hunley, and this is Unstructured, where we have dynamic and formal conversations with some amazing people. Today, I'm joined by Abby Ellen, who has written a fantastic book that is duped, Double Lives, False Identities, and The Con Man I Almost Married. How are you doing today, Abby?
1: Hello, I'm just fine. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thanks for coming on. And you might laugh. I had to have you on because I had listened to a podcast with Frank Abagnale. And I thought, I've had FBI agents on. I've had a cult guy on. I need a con man. So I
1: went. (laughs) So you called me.
0: Exactly. Well, I went looking up. Con Man, and your book came up. So good job on your Amazon SEO.
1: Awesome. Oh, good. That's good to know. Okay, good.
0: I looked at that and I was like, okay, this sounds like a great story. Anderson Audio. Fantastic. By the way, your narrator is very good.
1: I Yeah, I think she's terrific. I had wanted to do it myself. And then I thought, you know, what? I don't. It's way too long. It's way too difficult. I just don't want to do it. So they got somebody fantastic, which well,
0: is nice. You're fortunate because you don't sound completely different. I mean, you sound different, but she's got your pattern down.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even know that. Okay, cool. Well, right. I've
0: listened to you in a bunch of interviews, and sometimes it's very disjointed. You'll listen to an audiobook and hear a narrator, and then you hear the author, and you're like, going, whoa. It's, it's kind of a, a disconcerting thing.
1: Okay, I'll listen. I'll listen. I I do actually have to listen to the audiobook in full. I have, and I've just heard snippets of it, so I'll I'll go do that when we get off.
0: (laughs) Oh, there you go. I'm sure you're probably tired of the story by now. You've repeated it a few dozen times.
1: I I have, but I, you know, I don't mind doing it for another audience. I really don't. I think it's important, and I think people don't talk about it enough, and that's sort of why I wrote it, because people were, uh, so many people have been duped, and they don't talk about it. Because they're embarrassed. And I'm like, okay, that's why I'm here. I'll talk about it. Well, I think that's
0: cool. And I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, too, because as a podcaster, okay, I'm I'm a cipher. Really, I'm boring. I'm bringing guests on board who are very fascinating and interesting. As a journalist yourself, did you ever want to be part of the story?
1: Well, of course. But I am part of the story because it happens to me. I mean, you know, we, we, we went exactly. back and forth on it because the book is not a memoir. It sounds like a memoir, you know, double lies, false identities, and the con man I almost married. But it's not a memoir. And actually, some people were mad about that. Some readers, you know, they were like, why did you say that? I thought it was a book about lying about her story, which it is. But it's also, I do... You know, investigations, and I do research, and I talk to psychologists, and I have many other stories of people who've been duped, and that was deliberate because I wanted to be in the story a little bit, but not as a "quote unquote" victim of somebody who'd been who duped them, which I am in that as with that too, but also as somebody who is really curious about this phenomenon and why we lie, how we lie, and why we trust.
0: You definitely, I like how you sandwiched it too, um, kind of like a club sandwich. Your first story.
1: I could- it. <laughs> it kind of is
0: <laughs> because you had your uh, intro and in this somewhere right around the middle, your second incident, and then you closed out with a happy story.
1: And it was a happy story, but it wasn't a happy story where, you know, I move in with somebody and live we've happily ever after that doesn't exist. Um, at least not for me. <laughs> it was more like, you know, this was a happy story for now and that's what it was. Right. But that's it, it. It was my, I see it as a journey story and I do see it as, kind of memoir in that it's my story and I'm the through line, but I also do investigative research, which is what I did with my first book as well about frackants.
0: Well, perfect. And let's go ahead and travel through the story a little bit. Um, You call the individual the commander because you wanted to protect his family from what I understand. Yes, it. that's
1: exactly right. That's
0: exactly right. However, you had another great name for him based on a Robert Ludlum character. Which one? Um, Jason something or oh, Jason another?
1: Bornstein. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I just loved that name. That cracked
1: well, he was this nice Jewish Navy doctor. And so, you know, I thought that would be very funny. It was either Jason Bondowitz or Jason Bornstein or uh, James Bondowitz. Jason Bornstein.
0: Yeah. Now, You met him originally, you're writing a story on a type of diet, and take it from there.
1: I was interviewing him for a story I was writing about detox diets, and I needed a doctor to tell me if any of it was legitimate or not. And so I found, somebody suggested this guy at USC, who was in private practice in Beverly Hills, and I called him and he gave me a quote, and that was the end of it. Story didn't run for another year, and... um, and that's that. The story didn't run for another year. I had no reason to be in touch with him. Uh, finally, it ran. I fact-checked. He said, I'm done with private practice. I'm in the Navy now. And I rejoined the Navy, where I had been before, and I'm working at the Pentagon. I'm opening up a hospital for kids with cancer in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I said, keep me posted. I want to know about that. So we did.
0: Right. That, that went with your second degree that you were planning
1: to get, I was right? going back to school to get my second useless master's in international relations. So I was really interested in what he was doing. I wanted to do a lot of human rights stuff and I was really interested in what he was doing. I'm also interested in, well, in pediatric oncology. So to me, it was, you know, kind of great. And I liked it. I wanted to go check the place out. And so he, he, he kept me posted. He kept me in the loop. And then we started talking more and more toward the end of 2009, beginning of 2010. And we finally met in like February of 2010 and we, you know, started this relationship. A few months later he asked me to marry him. I was forty two. He was fifty eight and it was rushed, but my parents got married after three years and fifty five years later they're still together. So I you know, like these things happen. I wasn't a kid. And um and then he just he thinks he told me didn't add up. He told me that he had been in the CIA. He told me that he had met his ex wife when he rescued her, when she was held hostage in China. He told me that he had been uh uh, you know, all of these that 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 he had been held hostage by the Chinese—just stupid things that made no sense. But I had no way to verify
0: them. One thing, though, that did stand out to me is you had mentioned how he woke up with nightmares, had to sleep with the light on, TV blasting, things like that.
1: Yeah, he did. He did.
0: And that tells me that there may have been some genuine trauma in his life, albeit not necessarily from a foreign mission. Well,
1: that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And, um, that's what I thought, but you know, I, I don't know, but it's possible that he was just making it up. It's totally possible.
0: Waking up in the middle of the night.
1: Well, I don't, I don't don't know. Maybe he was, it was all part (laughs) of the ruse.
0: (laughs) Well, that'd be truly diabolical. But then again, I, I will say what, what tipped you off about him being just a consummate liar or something about a dinner?
1: We went out to dinner. I couldn't verify anything he told me because everything, you know, you can't call the CIA and say, Hey, you know, this guy's a, this, you know, you can't do that. So, um, do you have this guy working for you? So we went out to dinner with my parents and he raved about the Brussels sprouts. They were like the greatest meal ever that he'd eaten. And then we got outside and he, he lied. He said, he said, Oh my God, that was the worst meal I've ever eaten. And I said, why did you lie? And he said, I wanted to make them feel good. And that's when I thought. If you could lie about that, you could lie about anything. So that's, sort of, I was out. And then basically a year and a half later, I got a phone call from NCIS that there was a doctor who was writing prescriptions for narcotics for all these people. And I was one of the people. Did I know this guy and did I have a prescription?
0: Now that, that had to trouble you more than anything else, because from everything I read, I feel like you were always slightly on guard and you never put yourself completely into where you could be burned through any property or anything That's like right. that sort of like you were always waiting for I the was. other shoe I was to
1: waiting drop. for the whole closet of shoes to drop yeah I was um so I wasn't that surprised what I was was elated I was thrilled because it proved that I was right I mean I had really beaten myself up though for the year and a half that I wasn't with him because I thought wow you're so suspicious you're such a bitch you know you don't trust anybody and in fact you're wrong you know maybe this guy's a really great guy and you just have trust issues so when i finally got the call i was like oh my god i was right
0: and you suspect he was possibly dealing because he was leading multiple lives
1: i think he was lying i think he was dealing i have absolutely no proof so that's just and and yeah and they did not get him for that they got him for um they got him for uh fake you know for stealing identities they didn't get him for stealing drugs or selling them.
0: right now he he is not practicing medicine he's not point, practicing right?
1: medicine but he is um he's out of jail he did go to jail for like two years in one day and now he's out
0: yeah you got a linkedin request i got a linkedin him, right?
1: you read the book i got a linkedin request from him that is my brother but i think that was one of those massive <laughs> like mass email things you know that's what I think. I don't think he was really interested in, in
0: talking to me. That still had to be kind of wild. <laughs> Just like, what? Um, now, in the book, you go into other stories, um, like Peter Young. And do you consider, you almost went right into Peter Young. Do you consider him almost a counterpoint? I
1: do. What do you think of that? I do. Peter Young was this guy who had been on the run from the feds for eight years. He was writing. A, he is not writing. He was an animal rights activist, and he had let all these minks go into the ether. And he basically got uh, busted. And so he ran. Instead of going to jail, of course, he ran. And for eight years, he kept it up. He was on He was wanted. And I was really fascinated by that. I wanted to know how he lived this sort of double life. I wanted to know how he did it. Whether it was survival or not, he still had to make things up. And he still had some he led this fake life. I wanted to know what went into that. So to me, they were very similar. Did they not seem similar to you? They seem
0: similar. I think that there are some who would argue that there's a pro-social um, element. to One would seem more heroic to others than, than your uh, Well, that fiance. was
1: the thing. There were some people who thought that Peter was really terrific because he was a hero. Because he was the animal rights activist, you know, thought he was great. But I interviewed his girlfriend, a woman he was dating, who had no idea who he was. And she was 20 when they were dating. And she was like, oh, my God, he's amazing. He's a hero. He, he's saving all these animals. Then I found her years later. She was like, you know what? I don't think that would be as forgiving if I was this age. I want anyone end feeling.
0: True. And that is really kind of the thesis of the book is all the different degrees and... I don't feel like you ever came up with a full conclusion on how you feel.
1: How I feel about what?
0: About, about the truth, about lying, about...
1: I, I, well, my conclusion is this. I think everybody lies. I think pe- everybody lies, and I think True. people lie to different degrees. Um, and I think there are many people who lie the way this guy did. Not all of them are psychopaths. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people lie. I mean, that's the thesis is that I don't think we could ever know who we're with. I don't. I don't. Or who the people around us are. We have no idea. So you have to protect yourself as best you can.
0: Do we always, I guess some of the questions that you really put forth in the book or I read between the lines is a matter of we don't want lies that are harming people, but we're perfectly fine with lies that help lubricate social settings or make people feel better, things like yes, that.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think we are. And um, I think you know. And I don't know that I'm against that. I, I want you to tell me this is the best interview you've ever done. I want you to tell me that you love my book, even if you hate it. I mean, I'm I'm okay with that. I don't want you to tell me that you don't have that you're single when you're married. I don't want you to tell me that you have another family that you don't. You know, I don't want to know that my husband doesn't have a has another family around the corner. I don't want to know that my boss is stealing money from, you know, clients, I don't want to, that's, that I don't want to be true. But if you say, you know, I really like your haircut, you don't, I can live with that. Yeah.
0: And it's funny how people will justify lies or fraud. I kind of consider them all part of a theme, but like uh, Jordan Belfort, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, the Wolf of Wall Street.
1: Sure. I know who he is. Of course. Yeah.
0: He has a habit of kind of going around saying, well, they were rich people. So, you know, if I take a hundred grand, a couple hundred grand from somebody who has $20 million, it's not as big of a deal. Now, if they only had 300 grand, I took 200 grand. That would be a much bigger problem.
1: That's looking at the results and not the act. And that's absurd. <coughs> I knew somebody in college who was only stealing from the rich, she wasn't stealing from the poor, you know, robbing it's It's, you know what? <laughs> that's not, I just think that's wrong. I, to me, it reminds me of, you know, a lot of parents have kids and they're leaving their kids money and one of their kid has more money money. More money than the other kid, right? And so the parent might leave the poorer kid more money than the wealthier kid. And I've always felt that was really wrong. It's you leave each you leave money to each kid equally, you know. That's the way I saw it. I think it's the same kind of thing. I mean, that's a little bit of a synaptic leap, but you can work on that. I I, <laughs> sure. I think that's yeah, that's not that's not you have to. It, one thing has nothing to do with the other. You don't love the kid who has more money less, you know, or more. I mean, it's just stupid. So it's the same kind of thing for me well
0: and i i was only pointing out because i feel like that's kind of you know well one everybody's a hero in their own story and two he's ultimately lying to himself
1: oh yeah i think that's right that's absolutely right
0: and i think you've gone into that quite a bit in the book too that there is a great deal of self-deception that goes into allowing con people to we
1: deceive ourselves all the time and we have to, because we wouldn't survive. I don't know how anybody would get out of bed if they didn't have to survive themselves. I mean, if they didn't have, if they didn't lie to themselves, we have to believe, you know, and often it's warranted. We have to believe that the pilot knows how to drive a plane. We have to believe that, you know, the surgeon is really a doctor. We have to believe all of this stuff. Um, We have to believe that our partner doesn't have another family or seven around the corner. You know, this is what we have to believe. We have to believe that people aren't going to hurt us. But society functions that way. And so there is an element of, of to me, there's an element of self-deception, self-deception. And we see that every time you turn on the TV, you see what's happening.
0: And you had a, a great section that I feel was sort of about that or, or not being um, self-aware about galvanic tests on the skin.
1: Say, 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 say that again, because I, I lost that. Say that once more.
0: You had a chapter about how people were taking galvanic skin oh, tests. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. and
0: they determined that people didn't know their own that's voice right. That's right, and how that's, that's, they were happy and they
1: were happier. Oh yeah. I think living in a sense of living in denial makes us much happier and we can't live in reality. I mean, that's why so many people turn off the news. They don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want to hear just how bleak the world is. It's too depressing. No. And so in that, in that people didn't know their own the sound of their own voices. They absolutely had deceived themselves. It's, I mean, there's an argument to be made that, that, Athletes do is, right? They have to psych themselves up. They have to tell them that they're the best. That even if they can't, even if it's not true, that's what they have to do.
0: Yeah, and that's where it gets really interesting. doesn't? Um, this might fall a little into CBT or, I hate to say, fake it until you make it, but that might be in there.
1: Oh, I think there is. I think there's definitely something about fake it till you make it. Absolutely. The best liars also go on the offense. You know, if you look at, think about Lance Armstrong, he was so vehement. He was so hostile toward anybody who dared to doubt him in fact, it was all, he was lying blatantly, but people wouldn't think, why would somebody lie so vehemently?
0: Easy. It puts everybody on the defensive. You, you get so confused that's, because they're yelling right. at you. That's right. That you, you're you now watching. What did I do? Wait. Oh, that's hey. Right. uh oh I, right. You know, you, get your own ducks in a row.
1: Trump doing that. So I'm like, now, anytime anybody is lying to me and, and, and protesting too much, any, not lying to me, but anytime anyone's protesting too much about something, I'm pretty sure they're not telling the truth.
0: Yeah. Now, you spent um some time with uh, Spy the Lie, and they go into that, and I believe I sent you um a behavioral... Chart. I don't know how to explain it, but Chase Hughes, a former guest of the show, has it, which is a, a fantastic yeah. breakdown of how you combine multiple elements.
1: This is was that was that. I know what you're talking. But was that about lying? That he was that your guy was talking about specifically in relation to lying.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, he he was a, uh, a he's a master interrogator, manipulator, hypnotist, all that good stuff. Yeah, pretty much mind control guy, and he put together a chart. And what's significant about that is one. He's very open about we really can't tell if somebody's lying or not. You can't. What we can tell is there's something off of a baseline. You have to find a baseline of anyone you're speaking That's to. That's exactly right. Once you have that, you you look for deviations. That's exactly
1: right. You have to know what the baseline is. You, can't, you have to know what people's normal habits are. And if you don't know what the normal habits are, then you have a problem. Because you can't tell. But if you once you get a sense of what they normally do and then they deviate from that, that makes sense.
0: Right. And even then, he said that you don't automatically say it's a lie. Um, it's just a matter of there's something there that's stressing them or causing a problem. Keep that's digging. Right.
1: There's something there that, that's, that's off and people looking answer it. Exactly. That's exactly right.
0: Now, is did you practice that a good bit with um, your
1: studies? I, and I, your I course? tried to. I did try to. And I think I'm pretty good at lie detecting, but not great. I'm not great at it, you know. But everything we think we know is not necessarily true. I mean, the guy I was with, you know, he didn't look, he didn't blank, he looked me right in the eyes when I would ask him questions, right in the eyes. He was totally lying. And you know, I thought, okay, well, that's okay. So he's not blinking or he's not looking to the right, or he's not looking to the left. So that means, you know, everything's okay. It's not. Now. So-
0: the commander, you wouldn't really, I'm going to ask, did you consider him uh, fully on the level of psychopath or is he just more of a narcissist?
1: Um, I think he's a narcissist. I don't want to diagnose and I was very careful not to, but I think he's definitely narcissistic and definitely, right. um has some psychopathic, you know, but psychopaths don't have empathy. And this guy had empathy, right. but I think he mostly had empathy for himself. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that's standard, and I mean, it's been said that every every psychopath is a narcissist, but not every narcissist.
1: That's is a That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I think I think he was definitely definitely he was clearly a narcissist, and he was clearly also hated himself. You know, but I had think he was filled with self loathing. He had always wanted to be a um, he had always wanted to be a brain surgeon, and he never made it, and so he always felt like a loser. So you made stuff up.
0: So you think that might be the root?
1: I think that's part of the reason. But, you know, plenty of people feel bad about themselves, and they don't make things up, you know, other than, you know, maybe Donald Trump, who I think does that. You know, I'm the greatest person ever. (laughs) This is the biggest inauguration. I mean, why would you lie when there's evidence to the contrary? (laughs) I have no
0: idea. Um, Do you think... I'm just curious, because sometimes I'm just interested in getting in the head of things. Like, um, Elizabeth Holmes, I feel is a great example of someone who's really a full blown narcissist from what I see. I'm not a psychologist, but she shows the tendencies of that. And I kind of feel like she got involved, started to get money, and then had to start covering up, covering up, covering up, and then more lies, more lies, you know, kind of stepping into it. Do you think that could have been the commander or
1: he told the same lies, no, he told the same lies to everybody in his kids. And they were, they didn't escalate necessarily. They were the same lines all the time. And what was the game? What was his You know, she had money. She had a business. I, what did he have? What was his goal? Maybe it was just as basic as having a bunch of women around. I don't know. Well, I mean,
0: there is that. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, uh, there are a lot of men who do like to have a lot
1: right. of women And that's not a crime. I mean, that's not a crime. Whether it should be a crime is a different story. There are people who think it should be. There's a woman I interviewed named Joyce Short, and she believes that we need some kind of laws about consent because there's no universal definition of consent. And so she argues that it's kind of a sexual assault. Uh, that's the situation, because if you go to bed with somebody and you don't know who they are, then you're actually not consenting to the person you went to bed with. Yeah.
0: I can see that is a fraudulent. You know, that was uh, the consent consent versus us. That's
1: right. That's <sighs> consent versus us, which is quite fascinating. But the difference is, you know, everybody lies. Everybody lies, especially when it comes to meeting somebody and, and, and wanting to hook up. So where are you gonna draw the line? How are you gonna draw the line? And what's consent? You know, I'm consenting to what consenting I think you tell me your plumber went back to your doctor. You tell me your doctor went to back to your butcher. I mean, you know, what's the line between that and you know, you, you didn't tell me you were there? Of the of the
0: family. right and i can say that oh i do one minute instagram videos i'm a documentarian
1: well you you know what everybody who blogs is, is a writer <laughs> aren't they
0: yeah technically so uh, yeah that would get really really hard to enforce
1: it would get hard to enforce no that's it it would be it's almost impossible to enforce it is impossible i think so that's what's so challenging about it but it's really interesting to think
0: about it. oh I, I definitely think so it, it makes me think of that uh supreme court justice who said um I don't know what porn is, but I know it That's when I see right. it. That's
1: right. Something right, like right. That. Same kind of thing. Right. But, you know,
0: that was kind of absurd, wasn't it? Well, it was, but yet it, there is something there. It's kind of a, because we all sort of understand, yeah, but how do you enforce that? Right. It's like um, Donald Rumsfeld. He got made fun of like crazy for his statement that there's known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns.
1: Which I thought was brilliant. Everybody's like, this. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, to tell you the Yeah, truth. it's actually and I, wasn't, I wasn't a fan of his, but I thought that was really smart, because it's true. But there are things we don't know that we don't know. And that was sort of, if you think about that, that is where I was, my head was when I was dealing with a commander. You know, he would tell me these outlandish stories that made no sense, but I figured there are things we will not know about and cannot know about as citizens oh, of the country. You know, there are things that I'm not going to know. And there are things we aren't going to know. Uh,
0: also, I mean, the military now, I think, is one half of 1% of the population I was in the military, so I, I can hear things and go, oh, yeah, sure, right. But most people don't know.
1: They don't know. That's and right. a lot They're of soldiers right.
0: make crap that's up right. anyway. Well, they
1: do, and that's a whole other thing that I talked about <laughs> is still in valor, you know, and where it's it's a crime to pretend to be something you're not, and that you're a war hero and to wear insignia, but that, that you didn't deserve. And there are these guys who go around busting people for that.
0: Yes, especially now. That's a really ugly Ugly scenario. And then you have actual, quote, legit charities that are ripping people that's off, right. which are supposed to be veterans-based right. charities. That's, right. that's, another that's another subject. That's
1: another subject. But no, it's really disheartening. The big question is whether or not I think, you think, anybody thinks that these people are doing it more and more now, or we're just hearing about it now more. And I think that's the answer. We're just hearing about it now. It's easier to do it now, and it's easier to get caught. But humanity, people have always kind of sucked. <laughs> That's what I think. There've always been, oh, there's absolutely. always been hucksters and imposters
0: and fraudsters. Oh, God, it used to be so easy. I mean, you could find somebody who died, go apply uh, to get an electric bill, then get a library card, then go get a license, and then now you've got another identity. And no no state talks to each other. I mean, we're exactly. talking...
1: Exactly.
0: Not that long ago. I mean, I, I'm a child of the uh, 70s, yep. 80s. So yeah, that's right. It could be done that's then. Right. That's was. right. That's right. But... I think about now, and (laughs) a Facebook friend of mine sent me a messenger saying, "Um, I'll pick you up uh, in a bit, sweetie. I'm like, you didn't mean to send this to me. He's like, oh, I was my daughter, sorry. And I was just thinking that how can somebody not get busted when they're getting mixed up or they're texting and they'll wind up texting their wife the wrong thing? Or I think it's impossible to keep track of everything.
1: That's why you have to be so careful. That's exactly right.
0: Or just don't do it.
1: Just don't do it. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm lazy. Saying. Just don't do it. Just don't don't do bad things. Just try not to. You know, it's much easier to live above board.
0: Now, you also went with um, another imposter who just is fascinating. I'm going to try to track him down myself. And this would be a case where living in deception is actually almost heroic. Bob Hammer. The FBI yeah, agent, yeah,
1: fascinating. I don't know if it's Hammer or Hamer. Um, he's fascinating. I was really <laughs> oh, interested Hammer, in him, I'm and sorry. you understood that. I, I guess you understood why I put all these examples in there, because again, I wanted to know how people who have to, because if that was somebody who had to split his personality for work, and he had to, you know, figure out like how to, he was duping people for work, and he was telling, but he still had to do it. And I wanted to know how he did it. Let's say somebody who that, his life depended on it. He was hanging out with you know mob people. And he was having to convince them that he was one of them when, in fact, he was going to bust them. And I think for a lot of them, it's very hard because they develop real friendships with these guys and then they have to bust them.
0: Yeah, uh, what was it? I just saw, and this is obviously not to the heroic degree. But did you happen to talk to any actors or think about that, especially? I Method? talked
1: about. Well, I I talk about actors in relation to. I think I mentioned it in passing, but I talked a bit between CIA people and 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 FBI. The CIA people. This Bob Hammer said he couldn't be a CIA guy because he couldn't lie. He wasn't as good of an actor. I know. I'm lying to you. Actually, Bob Hammer said he wanted to be. He wanted to be, but because that's why he sort of did what he did. But I talked to other FBI people who they were like, no, I'm not that good of an actor. CIA people are kind of their actors. They're the ones who have these false identities and like have to run with it. FBI guys don't necessarily always do that. Hmm.
0: I was um, also thinking that actors like Hollywood, I just saw a quote the other day that made me think of this as Robert Pattinson. I think it was Robert Pattinson, but he was talking about how method actors, you know, the ones who live the character. Yeah. He said that, Typically, they do that when they're playing an asshole part.
1: Oh, that's interesting, and not doing—they don't do it when they're playing a good guy.
0: Yeah, and I I thought that uh, was—I
1: wonder if it's because it's—it's so uh, far away from who they are to be the asshole, or how they like to think of themselves.
0: Maybe, or maybe—I mean, do you, as you're studying these beats and you talk to people, do you not get a sense of a real lurid fascination with these?
1: people oh there's totally fascination with these people of course there is of course there is that's why i, wrote the I don't board. know if that's why i did well
0: what, what's ironic about it though is in general you're doing it from a victim perspective
1: yeah a victim but and, i was also interested in the perp i mean that's why Peter was in that.
0: but have you found that sadly the victims kind of are more like a set piece and the perpetrators are much more romanticized
1: yeah 100 percent. i think that i think we don't like to we, we don't want to give the perps, um, You know, the perps are kind of cool, where the victims are suckers, idiots, you know, pathetic. Um, How did they fall for something like that? How could they be so stupid, especially if you're smart? How could you be a smart person and fall for that? Absolutely.
0: Ironically, I think the smarter the person is, or the more confident a person is, the more likely they are to fall.
1: Why do you think that is? I mean, that happens to be true, but why do you think that is?
0: Um, I've studied here, but a lot of it is that if you're confident you're not looking for blind spots. And I'm going to reach back to Chase Hughes again. I use him a lot, but he's, you know, into manipulation and interrogation. He loves confident um, felons or suspects or whatever you want to call them, because they'll walk in and he'll kind of do a Columbo on them. But he, you know, has a little bit of a coffee stain on. He's not a really tall guy. So he's kind of he acts like he has somebody yell at him right before he comes in. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's kind of a little frazzled. And they will be burned almost every time. The smarter they are, the easier right. they are.
1: the people right. they're, they're vulnerable to their invulnerability.
0: Exactly. And I've had another one, another person on, Jenny Radcliffe, and she's a social engineer or hacker, if you will. And she does things like breaks into banks, for companies. She's Uh-oh. a good guy. But she, she'll she use, you know, whatever means to get in there for the bank to prove their security sucks. And same principle. If a person is hesitant or uncertain, they're a nightmare because it takes too long. They can't get through. They can't get a handle mm-hmm. on it. So the confidence especially, and intelligence usually will invoke a degree of confidence, is a problem. But if somebody's hesitant or they're uncertain, then that's going to throw off the timing. Yep.
1: Yeah. No, that makes sense. Confidence is anything. It's just swagger. I mean, it was, again, and I just, I think of Lance Armstrong. Again, he was so confident, right? He was so cocky, so arrogant, and he was so, I wouldn't deign to do that. I wouldn't take drugs. Why would I do that? I don't need that, you know?
0: Yeah, and honestly, I don't think he really feels that bad still.
1: Oh, I think he feels really badly that he got caught I think most people feel really badly because they got
0: Okay, well, now uh, to wrap things up, I know we have a hard out. You covered polygraphs. What are your conclusions? They,
1: on that? that they don't work. And again, people call them lie detectors. They're not lie detectors. They're polygraph tests, and what they measure is your bodily response. They measure how you feel about you know your autonomic response, heart, whatever, your heart rate, your anxiety levels, all of that. They do not measure whether you're telling a lie. And people don't realize that the only way feel I'm that sorry, the only way to really detect. Sorry, I'm upside now. The only way to really detect if <laughs> someone is lying is if mm-hmm. you have hard evidence in front
0: of you. Otherwise, right? Do you feel that they are ever useful in terms of? I just say intimidation, but intimidation yes. for a, a yes. witness. useful.
1: You know what they are? They're as useful as the person uh, administering it. So that's usually what it is. The person who is giving it can scare you to death. And that's what happens. And so they will, you know, it's, so it's not the polygraph. It's the person that's scaring you. And it's the person who's getting at whether you lie. Not the actual technology.
0: So it's a good prop.
1: So it's a good prop. Exactly.
0: Okay. There's a scene in The Wire. I don't know if you've ever that seen show. the show. It was also used in Homicide. So I know it's a, a. it has to be a true story probably because it was used in both shows. But uh, they had a suspect in, and they went to a copy machine. They asked him a question, hit the button, and spit out lie.
1: How oh, funny. <laughs> just... <Thanks>. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Hilarious. That's great. That's great. Yeah.
0: So that's uh, about equally as effective as a yeah. polygraph?
1: That's right. It's just not. There's some new technology that um, is letting people um, it test your pupils. And that's what it's doing. It's seeing how, how you know, what, if your pupils get bigger and smaller. That, I think, is effective. Also, with a polygraph test, if you believe your lies, you're not going to sweat. So you're not going to have any response.
0: The scary thing about the um, retinal scanners that you're talking about, and I think you described it as what I fear is a good interrogator can manipulate questions in such a manner to get the physiological response.
1: Well, that might be. But apparently with with these other things, they don't do that. With the eye, you know, it's impossible with the with because the, the eye, the questions would be, um, with the um with the questions with the with the pupils, you just put your pupils in the in the thing, you know, like you do with the doctor, with the eye doctors, and then boom, that's what happens. And then it just measures you answer questions, a series of questions that are often very confusing. But there's no one administering it. There's no one talking to you. There's no one, you know. It's just you're reading the questions like you would in an eye chart you know you'd read quick, like mm. yeah so there's not anyone who's interpreting it
0: hmm, okay and the questions can't be written in such no, a manner that... they're
1: confusing they remember they're reading it was there was double it, the company was i detect that was a company they're out of utah um which has an enormous rate of what's called affinity fraud which is very interesting but anyway um and they they there was a lot of double negative and triple negatives and it was very hard to decipher but no, I think that there's not a person sitting there in front of you manipulating oh,
0: you. Well, fantastic. So what is coming next for dupe, Gabrielle?
1: Dude, the podcast. We're turning it into a podcast. We turned it into a podcast. and um, Really? Yeah. So it'll be coming out. It's going to be six, a six-part series. Yeah. So it's very cool. Not a not a talk show, not like yours, but it's like an audio documentary. So it's great. So I'm, I'm psyched about that. And then hopefully we'll sell movie and TV, rights, And everyone will be rich.
0: So who's doing the podcast?
1: Uh, it was, my rights were bought by Topic Studio and they did, um, they co-produced Spotlight, which won the Oscar. Cool. Yeah. I'm leaving a tray. So they're great. So I'm very, I'm really happy.
0: Are you going to, um, be a part of it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally part of it. That's what I've been doing all day today. Um, I would, I'm voicing it. I'm writing it. I'm helping write it. I'm all of it. We're doing interviews, the whole thing. Yeah. Cool.
0: Awesome. So um, some of the people you've discussed in the book, will be able to hear from directly.
1: Exactly. You
0: got it. Well, great. I look forward to that. you. And I can you. get updates at abbyellen.com. Yes, you E-L-L-I-N. can. dot
1: E-L-L-I-N.com. Yeah. Well, hey, Abby, thank you
0: so much for coming Thank out. you so much, Eric.
1: Really, I really had fun. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands, or you can go to unstructuredpod.com. And there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the mass of success. It's No secret. with Dr. T. will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, tysonfranklin.com.
1: I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that, that really scares me. Yeah, I had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody
0: should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money is a tool, it's a key to a gate. And at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make
1: you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm.